creepy campfire. I mean, it's worth it to not get caught for murder. Um, his balls wasn't feeling right. Freak out! That's not reassuring. Get freaked out. See, so these are where the questions come from. This yeah. is where it stems from. This is what makes it fun. Welcome back to Creepy Campfire, your source for all things strange, the unexplainable, the infamous, and the mysterious. Here are your hosts, Jordan and Ryan. Oh You're hungry. All we've been living on is lattes, bro. Pumpkin lattes. Pumpkin is not enough. No. We ate up all the biscuit sandwiches. It's a thick syrup. There's zombies outside. We can't leave. And all there are is pumpkin lattes. (laughs) Oh, what a sad apocalypse that would be. It's so bad. Maybe they'll get tired. Then we can go to the grocery store next door. As long as we don't have to live off PSLs for the rest of my life. As long as there's not just only pumpkin pie over there. (laughs) Yeah, I'll never touch pumpkin pie again. Never. Well, maybe we can pass the time. Maybe you can tell me a story. Maybe back the f*** off the mic and I'll tell you a story. (laughs) Myself. Because that was real loud. (laughs) I thought Jordan was going to jump bad on me there for a minute. I'll tell you a story. Jordan's amped and I'm going to get the hell out of his way. Throw hands, man. What, what what story you got to tell me through my hunger? Huh? I said, what story do you have to feed me through my hunger? <sighs> Hopefully it's enough sustenance. We'll see. <laughs> we shall see. I'm glad that, to hear that you had never heard of this before, though. Yeah, I have no clue. Why don't you tell the people what it is? See if they might know. So uh, our story takes place uh, within and right outside of Yuba City and Yuba County. Here in California, mm-hmm. which is about Yuba, Yuba City is about 25, 20, 25 minutes away with traffic. North. It's, it's very northern California. Yeah. yeah, north towards the airport for us. So, story takes place late in the 70s, 1970s. Oh, the 70s. Okay. Yeah. Um, although, uh, so I'm going to cite my sources really quick. Uh, one of the sources I got to use for this was just published a couple months ago. Um, and we, it was in the SAC B. Oh, thankfully. So I get to, which is our local at the Sacramento, Sacramento main newspaper. And honestly, between that and Wikipedia, I mean, I tried to use this one called mental floss, but oh, yeah. it kind of went another direction that I wasn't going to go. Uh, I found essentially what I needed. Mm-hmm. So it all starts on the night of February 24th, 1978. A group of five young men from Yuba city. I just did my first. Clack, clacked it, and I wasn't trying to. Uh, a group of five young men from Yuba City, California, all with mild... You can back up a little bit now. All with mild to mental... My, all with mild mental or psychiatric issues, and they ranged, as we'll see. Um, attended a college basketball game played at California State University, Chico. Never Chico. Um, afterwards, they stopped at a local market for snacks and drinks, um, the four of them were a uh, Bill Sterling, who's 29 at the time, Jack Hewitt, who's 24, Ted Ware, 
assuming that's how you say the name. Uh, he was 32 in Jack Madruga, who was 30. Uh, the fifth member was Gary Matthias. Um, it's a very old sounding name. Matthias. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's how you say it. M-A-T-H-I-A-S. Mm-hmm. He was the youngest of the bunch. Um, the five men are known collectively as the Yuba County Five, and the incident itself is referred to as the American Diet Love Pass. Oh, okay. So I thought you'd get a kick out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my co-host Ryan was trying to get me to do the Diet Love Pass for this one because I didn't have any ideas. Um, I didn't even realize that until like halfway through my research that they called it that. So I was like, okay, well now I got to go back and look at look at that one. But you should get a kick out of it. And you're gonna have to tell me how this relates. This okay. One. So little background um group of i mean i wouldn't call them kids i mean no, from 25 to 30. 32 25 to 32 yeah, in range i'm not a kid i'm okay. not even as old as they are yeah exactly but they they keep referring y- to them adults. as kids young adults i don't know if that's because of their mental state or what but they oh yeah because didn't, didn't you say they had mental um, oh yeah every single one of them was on was somewhere on the spectrum or had psychological issues to an extent okay okay um they were actually uh, part, like part of the reason that they were going down to this game um, was because they were actually part of a basketball team for uh, people with um, mental or psychological or you know psychological problems. Uh, their team was called the Gateway Gators. Oh, that's awesome! But they wanted to come into town early and cheer on. Uh, I think they were going for because it was Chico versus Davis. Okay, I think okay. they were. I think they were on Chico's side, but uh, Davis ended up winning anyways. Jack Madruga. The only member of the group besides Matthias who had a driver's license drove the group 50 miles north to Chico in his turquoise and white 1969 Mercury Montego. Yeah. Okay. So after Davis had won the game, uh, they got back in Madruga's car and drove a short distance from Chico State Campus to Bears Market in downtown Chico. So I guess a bit of this does take place in Chico too. Um, But that's, it's really not significant. They got some snacks and sodas and milk to drink. Uh, it was shortly before 10 p.m. The clerk remembered because she was pissed that she couldn't close up because this group of people came through last minute. Mm-hmm. That was the last time that they were ever seen alive at the at this market. At this mini mart? Uh-huh. Uh, at least a guaranteed witnessing of them. Um, back home, some of the men's parents had stayed up to make sure that they returned the next morning. Uh, when morning came and they none of them showed up, the police were notified. A couple of days later there, Mercury Montego was found abandoned in a remote area of Plumas National Forest on a high mountain dirt road that was far out of their way back to Yuba City. I was about to say, could you put in geographical perspective where... where Um, They said that that was on, like, uh, almost like as if they had made a wrong turn, like, on their way towards, like, Brownsville, which I'm not specifically sure where that is, but, I mean, apparently Northern California somewhere. But it was out of the way. It, it was, was out like of the if you were making a straight shot from Chico to Yuba. They yeah. obviously didn't go back the direction they came. Yeah. So investigators could not, however, determine why it was abandoned as it could easily have been pushed out of the snowpack it was in and it was still in good working order. The car was fine. Okay. At that time, no trace of the men was found. They found the car, but they didn't find the guys. Okay. After the snow melted in June, so they had been missing for. Uh, February to June. Oh, four months. Yeah, about. Um, snows melting in June. The four bodies are found. Okay. 
Four of the group? Four, four, men's, body, four men's bodies are found. Okay. Which is crazy that they couldn't find that, like that there was that much snowfall. Because I know we get, I know Northern California gets a fair amount of snow, mm-hmm. but that amount, not I haven't that been far up there up. to experience it myself. Like as far as like I've the farthest north I think I've been is, I don't know. I've never been. I've never been to Humboldt. I've never been to Chico. Like, I don't know. I mean, technically Yosemite is northeast. I yeah, think. I believe so. I might be that might be the furthest north I've been, but I think you, I think they get some a little bit of snow, mm-hmm. just but just a little bit. Yeah, they get some. Man, I'm not, nothing I'm not, nothing like it. All depends on your elevation. I don't have to hide four bodies, but that's that too. I don't know. I just that's a lot of snow to be able to hide any trace of anything. You know, I didn't think we would get that so close to home. Where in Sacramento we get nothing, nothing ever. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's what people come to California for. You get a little bit of everything. Yep. So and he does mean. Huh? Everything. Everything. <laughs> you name want it. it? You name it. it. We got it. <laughs> so, four bodies are found, and near a um, so only bones were left of three of the bodies. Oh. Um, a, a result of scavenging animals, but there's one that's found in a trailer, not too far off from where the other bodies are. Um, so that's the, there's the initial three that are found. And then there's one more body that's found in a trailer that's inside of like a little, uh, campsite. Okay. It's a little further, uh, further down the road. About tw- well, 20 miles actually. So it's significantly further. Mm-hmm. Um, Ted Ware had apparently lived for as long as almost three months after the men were last seen starving to death, despite an ample supply of food and heating materials in that trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, he was missing his shoes, and investigators found Matthias's own shoes in the nearby woods, suggesting that Matthias too, Matthias had survived beyond what the what the the fate that the other three had met. So right. Ware and Matthias made it out of wherever they made it to this little camp. Okay, the other three not so lucky. Okay. Um, Butte and Yuba County police began, began searching along the route uh, the men took to Chico. They found no sign of him. But a few days later, uh, Plumas National Forest Ranger told investigators that he had seen the Montego parked along Oroville Quincy Road in the forest on February 25th. At the time, he had not considered it significant, since many residents had often drove up there to the Sierra Nevada on winter weekends to go cross-country skiing on the extensive trail system. After he read the missing persons bulletin, he recognized the car and led the deputies to it on February 28th. Okay, inside the car was evidence suggesting the men had been in it between when between when they were last seen and when it was abandoned. So that they ended up like on that road for some reason. Mm-hmm. All the guys were in that car on that road. Yeah, it wasn't like somebody stole their car and that's where it ended up. Exactly. Yeah. The wrappers and empty cartons and cans they had purchased in Chico were present, along with programs from the basketball game they had watched and a neatly folded roadmap of California. But the discovery of the car raised more questions than it answered. First was its location. 70 miles, 70 miles from Chico, far off any direct Ute to Yuba City or Marysville, none of the men's families could speculate as to why they might have driven up a long and winding dirt road on a winter night deep into a high elevation remote forest without any extra clothing and on the night before a basketball game they had been talking excitedly about amongst themselves for several weeks. Mm-hmm. Madruga's parents 
said he did not like the cold weather and had never been up to the mountains. Sterling's father had once taken his son to the area near where the car was found for a fishing weekend, but the younger man had not enjoyed it and remained at home when his father took trips later there. So there's no reason for any of these guys to be here. Okay. Okay. Similarly, police could not figure out why the men had, had abandoned the car. They had reached 4,400 feet in elevation, which is like r- apparently right before where the snow like caps where it starts where it stops falling as Mm -hmm. far as elevation wise about where the snow line was that year that time of the year Mm -hmm. Uh, and just short of where the road was closed for the winter the car had become stuck in some snow drifts and there was evidence that the wheels had been spun attempting to get out of it but police noted the snow was not deep enough that five healthy 30 something year old men could not have been able to push it out the keys weren't present suggesting at first that the car had been abandoned because it might not be functioning properly with the intention of returning later with help, but when police hotwired the car, it started immediately, and the gas tank was a quarter full. So, no issues there. Questions continued after police towed the car back to the station for a more thorough examination. The undercarriage on the car had no low-hanging muffler, no dents, gouges, or mud scrapes, um, despite having been driven a long distance up a mountain road with many bumps and ruts. Mm-hmm. Either the driver had been very careful, or it was someone familiar with the road, a uh, familiarity that Madruga was not known to have, nor his family said would Madruga have let somebody else drive it. It was his car. Was his right. baby. But the car was also unlocked and had a window rolled down when it was found, and they also said it was unlike him to leave the car so insecured. Mm-hmm. So, Which makes sense if he's on a spectrum or depending on his handicap, he mm-hmm. may be obsessive about S- such things. Yeah. About so. some specific things. Right. It's, it's fun. It's weird. So this is almost like a like a cross between like a true crime and a... It just didn't feel very poor, paranormal to me. But yeah. I mean, we've done... we've done I've done a missing case and so miss, missing person's case before. And I liked how that one turned out. Even though there wasn't really any poor, paranormal mm-hmm. activity to it. But still. These are creepy stories, okay? That's all they are. It's, it's in the title. That's Don't all that matters. Me. Don't judge me. <laughs> Efforts to search the vicinity were hampered by a severe snowstorm that day. Two days later, after searchers in snowcats, which I'm assuming are like plows of a sort, um, nearly got lost themselves, further efforts were called off due to the weather. And this was before any trace of the guys were found. This was still just when the car was chilling where it was. Okay. And they had to wait for that snowpack to melt a couple months. So there's some witness testimony. And this, I'm, the way I'm kind of putting this together as far as the way I'm presenting it to you guys is leaving some mystery until a little bit later on. We're going to get to some witness witness uh, eyewitness accounts right now. And then we'll circle back. So Joseph Scones of Sacramento mm-hmm. uh, told police he inadvertently wound up spending the night of February 24th to 25th near where the Montego was found. He had driven up there where he had a cabin to check the snowpack in advance uh, of, a, of like a weekend ski. Um, at 5.30 p.m. at about 100, and, wait, 100 about 150 feet up the road from the, from the car, he too had gotten stuck in the snow. And in the process of trying to free it, he realized he was beginning to experience the early symptoms of a heart attack. Ooh. And went back in, keeping the engine running to provide heat for himself. Six hours later, lying in the car and experiencing severe pain, he saw headlights come up behind him 
Looking out, he saw a car parked behind him, headlights on, with a group of people around it. One of which seemed to, one of which seemed to him to be a woman holding a baby. He called to them for help, but then they stopped talking and turned their headlights out. Later, he saw more lights behind him, this time flashlights that also went out when he called for help. Hmm. So a car pulls up right behind him. The guy's having a heart attack, and he's asking for help, and they're acting like they're not there. Yeah, and this is in the same area. This is, so initially he he had pulled up before the guys had apparently showed up where where their car was found. Yeah, he had pulled up 150 feet down the road from them before they even got there. Like as he was on his way up to his cabin. Okay. Pulled out, got stuck in the snow, started having a heart attack when he tried to push his truck out. Mm-hmm. Got back in his car. A couple lay. What did it say? About less, some a short time later, mm-hmm. the truck pulls up behind him. And okay. it's, or the car pulls up behind him and it's them. Okay. But he, for some reason, he thinks that it's one of them as a, a woman, woman holding a baby. Yeah. He's not necessarily a trustworthy witness because he was in so much pain when he went through all of this that he says he could have been I mean, I don't hallucinating know how much some of it. I'd have to be in to mistake a 30 year old man for a woman holding a baby. For a pregnant woman? Yeah. Or for a woman holding, yeah. A recently uh, pregnant woman? But, I mean, I understand, like... I mean, I don't know how severe that pain is, though, either. I've never had a heart attack thing. I've never heard of heart attack hallucinations, but... That I haven't either, so... I don't know. Um, it is the 70s. A lot of people had long hair. But <laughs> it's the holding the baby part that I'm like, ah, I don't know. Right? Might have been hallucinating for other reasons. <laughs> uh, Again, way, it huh? is the 70s. Exactly. Um, so it was... Ted Weyer, Weyer's mother, <clears throat> when questioned, said ignoring someone's plea for help was not like her son, very out of character, mm-hmm. if indeed uh, he was present. She recalled how he and Sterling had helped someone they knew get to a hospital after overdosing on Valium. So, like, if somebody was in dire need, they would have done something about it. Right. So that doesn't necessarily add up. After that, Scones, the the driver of the truck guy having the heart attack he mm-hmm. said at first he recalled a pickup truck parking 20 feet behind him briefly and then continuing down on down the road later he clarified to police that he could not be sure of that since at the time he was almost delirious from the pain he was in okay after scon's car ran out of gas in the early morning hours his pain subsided enough for him to walk about eight miles eight miles that would suck it's a long in the walk. snow having a heart like while having a heart attack well down the road I mean, too much Hopefully it was subsided at that point, but I don't think heart attacks like continue for that long of time. But I mean, like you still have to go to a hospital immediately, right? Well, and it's also yeah. Oh, it's like a tremendous recover? amount of pain. Yeah, like a tremendous amount of pain. Yeah, like there's no getting out of that until you are in a hospital situation. I would assume the pain level, at least, or at least it's to some extent. It kind of fluctuates. Some people don't even realize they're having a heart attack. That I've heard. Um, but I know a lot of times the a lot of people that I know of that have had them say it's like getting hit in the chest with a sledgehammer it's painful Jesus. but that's the initial attack um yeah i mean it hits people in different ways so mm-hmm. like a lot of things depends on your your body and stuff yeah so so he could be and it could be a mild could one be. could be a severe one there's a lot of factors there yeah they had said it was relatively mild yeah at least in his case um so he's walking he walks eight miles down the road to a lodge uh, where the manager drove him back home passing the abandoned Montego at the point where he had recalled hearing the voices originate from. Okay. 
doctors later confirmed that he had indeed experienced a mild heart attack. Okay. And this ranger that took him is the same one that reported the missing Montego? No, this is a manager. This is a manager of a lodge. Oh, manager. This was, this manager. was not a ranger. Um, with evidence, with the evidence not pointing to any clear conclusion about what happened the night the men disappeared, police and the families were not ruling out the possibility that the men were met with foul play. The eventual discovery of four of the five men's bodies uh, seemed to suggest otherwise, but raised even more questions about what had happened that night and whether at least one of them might have been rescued. On June 4th, with most of the higher elevation snow melted, uh, so this much, yeah, so this is in June when they they kind of go a little bit more, a little further into what they find. Yeah. A group of motorcyclists went to a trailer maintained by the Forest Service at a campsite off the road, about 19, about 19 miles from where the Montego had been found. Um, a front window had been broken. When they opened the door, they were overcome by the odor of what turned out to be a decaying body inside, and it was later identified as um, Wares, as Ted Wares. Which... Remind me, Wares was the one that owned the car? No, that was Madruga. Oh, wait, who was who? Madruga. Uh, John Madruga. John Madruga owned the car. Okay. Jack Madruga. Jack Madruga owned the car. Yes. Um, And Wares and Mathis were the ones that seemed to have made it away from the initial, where the initial three had died. Yeah, that was Matthias and Ware. Gary Matthias and Ware. Matthias. Madruga died with the, the other three. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently there's a lot of uh, manzanita tree up there. Okay. It's like a really thick brambly. I mean, manzanita, is, I think it translates to apple, I think. But it, but it's not necessarily, it's not like an apple tree, but it's a really thick. So apparently. There, there are grows, shrubs or, or like small, dense, leaf yeah. branched tree. Yeah, it grows, it grows super thick too. Very yeah. dense. Okay, so June 4th, the motorcyclists find that trailer essentially when they found Weyer's body inside yeah um searchers returned to plumas which the plumas area uh following the road between the trailer and the site of the montego the next day they found remains later identified as madruga and sterling on mm-hmm. opposite sides of the road 11 miles from where the car had been the former's body had been partially consumed by scavenging animals only bones remained of the latter scattered over a small area so there was a little bit of Madruga left. Sterling was... Oh, oh, Squatch. Oh. Squatch, you... Man, you, he's... You tore him apart. He's got nothing, man. That zombie came through the back and... Barely. Squatch let him have it, man. Oh, my God. He doesn't need anything else. He, he got his dinner then. Thank God we have him. Yeah. For protect... Well, it's dual purpose. He... I think he... That's the first time he's ever established his dominance. <laughs> but we appreciate you, Squatch. He is the ultimate bodyguard up until he is the ultimate dinner. He's the ultimate dinner? Nobody's going to eat Squatch. You can't eat. We're going to have to eat Squatch if we're stuck in here with zombies and PSLs for the rest of our lives. We'll make it out of here. I'm sure the zombies aren't everywhere. They'll get it under control. We got lots of guns. We're America. Also, who am I kidding? He would he would demolish us first. It, yeah. Squatch, you, you, we would you like food. us better than that, right? Oh, you don't have, you don't got to lie. All right, all right. I don't think he'll eat us. Besides, he's mostly a vegetarian. This is zombie meat. That's different than fresh meat. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, all right. It's got a little more vegetal. So, vegetal so that way, 
We got we got a lot coming in on this one. I just want to make sure I'm up to speed. Here. Oh my god, yeah, I'm sorry. It's a lot of information. No, you're good. I like more information. <sighs> it gives us the full picture. So, kids from Chico, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, Yuba, kids from Yuba, went to Chico for this basketball game. Mm-hmm. Coming back that night, yep, got lost. Bodies. They the lost car was found in February. Bodies were found in June. Four yep. of the five, not all four of them. Mm-hmm. Um, three were close-ish mm-hmm. together, and the other one was away in a trailer that's maintained by the forest, National Forest Rangers. Yes. was found, Yeah, I don't know if it's within the actual like boundaries of, an, of a national forest or something like mm-hmm. that. I don't know if it's like right outside of that. I don't think that... But somebody like maintained this. Yeah. And, and, okay. And At then, least did to an extent, and then somebody found... Yeah, they found his corpse in there. And then we have this other gentleman that was having a real rough night, had this heart, a- heart attack. Mm-hmm. Thought he saw some, like somebody pulled up, Saw some people. Yeah, some Mr. Scones. He addressed them. Scones? Scones. I want to call them scones, but I won't. It's S-C-H-O-N-S, so just call them scones. What kind of flavor scone do you think he is? A blueberry is just jumping out to me for some reason. I don't know. I'm trying to think of something (laughs) heart-related. What's heart-healthy? He's a bacon peanut butter scone. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. But Mr. Scones was having this heart attack saw this car come up behind him which is in the same location mm-hmm. as the montego that was abandoned he makes it down the road eight miles with a heart attack like a boss and then a cabin manager takes him to the hospital they pass it and they positively identify the car as the montego yeah i don't think that that he necessarily like when he goes back by it that he's thinking about anything other than just getting to the hospital mm-hmm. but I they mean, I would have been. The these sons of bitches just left me here to have a heart attack. I'd be like, who are these people? Oh, I'd be pissed for sure. I'd be pissed. Well, But for some reason, he, and, and it doesn't clarify, uh, he thinks that it was a truck at first, and then he thinks that that truck took off, and okay. that at some point later on, the Montego showed up. Okay. That the Montego had potentially showed up while he was walking. Okay. But Tru- for some reason, these people that were in the truck whoever they were, mm-hmm. still, as soon as he started calling out for help, just left nope. him. Okay. So. Okay. Continue, sir. So we had found, what, well, we'd found two more bodies. We had found Madruga. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was Madruga and Sterling. Yeah. They, so autopsies on those bodies, mm-hmm. those two bodies, uh, show that they had both died at her, of hypothermia. Um, deputies speculated that one may have succumbed to, to the desire for sleep, which apparently that like sets in really hard when you're about to, it, like, it's just like your really strong urge to just go to sleep. But how did they, how did they discover that if they were all bone? Hypo, well, one of them was bone, but I, I don't know. I think that they, they, yeah. Well, how do you autopsy just bones, right? If, if Sterling I mean, is just can, bone. I, I understand you can look for, um. Like like a, um, a wounds like if mm-hmm. something is attacking you you'll have teeth marks on the bone or yeah if you get stabbed you'll have those marks on the bones but yeah something like hypothermia um they were right next to each other and even though the one was intact and one wasn't mm-hmm. they had assumed that they had potentially it was at the same time since they could conclude it from one yeah okay and that they came together to potentially try to beat the heat yeah. But they they eventually met the same fate. Mm-hmm. Um, so two days later, as part of one of the other search parties, 
Jack Hewitt's father found his son's backbone under a manzanita bush two miles northeast of the trailer. Just his backbone? Just his backbone. Uh, His shoes and jeans nearby helped identify the body. The next day, a deputy sheriff found a skull downhill from the bush, 300 feet away, confirmed by dental records later to have been Hewitt's as well. Okay. His death, too, was attributed to hypothermia. Mm-hmm. Which, again... Like, is a shot this is, in the dark. It's gotta be, yeah, it's got to be guesswork. Yeah. Because, again, they really have no idea what happened. Right. In an area to the northwest of the trailer, roughly a quarter mile or so, searchers found three Forest Service blankets and a rusted flashlight by the road. It cannot be determined how long those items had been there. Uh, and it goes from that to say that um, since Gary Matthias, who was the one guy who was never found, right, had presumably not taken his medication um, since he hadn't been home, mm-hmm. uh, pictures of him were distributed to mental institutions all over California. Mm-hmm. However, no trace of him has yet to be found to this day. Um, That's got to be rough for the parents. Right? I mean... Obviously, it's rough when your parent dies, but like in the midst of it, thinking you you have a a, a, a handicapped child, handicapped or challenged in a that, way, or like that's just out in the woods, or could be in an institution, mm-hmm. and that's even worse. Is like they could be in the institution, and if they were on their medicine, they'd be perfectly fine, but like they can't even analyze what um, medication they need. Oh yeah, especially if you hear the three of the three bodies have been found and then you find a fourth one in the trailer and it's like, mm-hmm. Oh God, where's the last guy? What happened? Um, so back to Weyer's body mm-hmm. who was in the trailer. He was on a bed with eight sheets wrapped around it, including the head head sheet. The autopsy showed that he had died of a combination of starvation and hypothermia. He was the only one that was still fully intact. He had lost nearly half his 200 pounds um, the growth of his beard suggested he had lived as long as 13 weeks from when he had last shaved. His feet were badly frostbitten and pretty much like gangrenous, like mm. gangrene had set in. On a table next to him were some of his personal affects, um, including his wallet, some cash, a nickel ring with Ted engraved on it, and a gold necklace he also wore. Also on the table was a gold watch without its crystal, which... Weyer's family said was not his and a partially melted candle. He was saying he was wearing a velour shirt and lightweight pants, but his shoes could not be found. Hmm. Um, most puzzling was how he came to be in this trailer by himself. Uh, no fire had been set in the trailer's fireplace. It's got a fireplace. Mm-hmm. Despite an ample supply of matches and paperback novels, heavy forestry clothing, was in there. She could have kept him warm. A dozen sea ration cans from a storage shed outside had been opened and their contents consumed, but a locker in the same shed that held an even greater assortment of dehydrated foods, enough to keep all five men fed for a year if that had been necessary, had not even been opened. Similarly, another shed nearby held a butane tank with a valve that, had it been opened, would have fed the trailer's heating system. This behavior, however, was consistent with what Weyer's family's members described as a lack of common sense arising from his mental mm. disability. Okay. He often questioned why he should stop at a stop sign. And one night he needed to be dragged out of bed while his bedroom ceiling was burning in a house fire since he was worried about missing his job the next day if he left his bed. Mm. So it's just kind of like to show the line of 
reasoning right. Right. and thinking. They they think that it might be that, you know, him ending up in there, he mm-hmm. thought that, you know, these people might come back or, you know, yeah. if, I, if I touch any of those stuff, then I'm stealing because, you know, well, I'm glad you got gets... to that because I wanted to, if they all have a handicap of some sort, mm-hmm. it's, which not to say that um, any, that handicap people can't, you know, there's, the, there's a reason they call it a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, you have very high functioning, able to, to do absolutely everything. Um, sometimes you won't even know someone's on a spectrum on the spectrum. Oh yeah. Um, and then you have other handicaps and other, um, more deeply down the spectrum people that it's, it's hard for them to function at least in our capacity that we're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't reason the same way. Don't make decisions the same way. Exactly. And it's, it's, nothing against that person it's just brain chemistry Mm -hmm. so priorities and goals and all of that are all completely different exactly so i'm glad that you were able to find that bit because if we don't know where they fall Mm -hmm. what their handicaps were yeah um then it's hard to make the assumptions that we're inevitably inevitably going to make yeah i mean because that kind of like starts to make sense Oh yeah, mm-hmm. totally makes sense. If he if he had to be dragged out of his bed with the house on fire, mm-hmm. then it totally makes sense of why he would be like, "Oh, I can't touch that cabinet that's got even more food, even though I'm starving." Yeah, maybe they broke into some of the food. I don't know. Still, improper, not improper, but decision making that doesn't make sense to the rest of us. Yeah, exactly. Um, it did seem, however, that Ware was had not been alone in the trailer, at least not initially, and that Matthias and possibly Hewitt had been there with him. Oh. Matthias's tennis sneakers were in the trailer, and the sea rations had been opened with a P-38 can opener, which Matthias would have learned how to use during his army service. Matthias is coming out of the army. He's the youngest again. He's the 25-year-old. Okay. Which was not found. He's the only one that's not found. Okay. Matthias, his feet perhaps also swollen from frostbite. Could have decided to put Weyer's shoes on instead if he had ventured outside. The sheets all over Weyer's body also suggested that one of the others had been there with him, as his gangrenous feet would have been in too much pain for him to pull them over his body himself. So apparently, uh, so the speculation is that his feet were getting that way before he died, initially, Mm -hmm. at least. They were still with him for that long. 13 weeks, though. That's crazy. Even knowing that four of the five men had died in the Sierra... Investigators could still not completely explain what had led to their deaths. They had found no explanation for why the men were there, although they learned that Matthias and friends in the small town... Oh, that, that Matthias had friends in the small town of Forbestown, and police believed it was possible that the men <clears throat> may have taken a wrong turn near Oroville that put them on the mountain on, put them on the mountain road. So not Brownsville, Forbestown. Okay. I think I got Brownsville from a... When you were describing like how it's too, yeah. yeah. Um, for whatever reason, the men had left the Montego instead of going back down the road where they had passed the lodge that Sean's later returned to, mm-hmm. continued along the road in the direction they were originally going. Purposeful motion like that is not consistent with the circular patterns traveled by those who genuinely believe themselves lost traditionally. Mm-hmm. At least that's what the police speculate. So they figure that they were out there for a reason, mm-hmm. or at least some of them were. Okay. Um... Yeah, so the day before the men went missing, a forest... So this... Okay, so backtrack. Day before, 
So this will be the 23rd. Um, a forest service snowcat had gone along a road in the direction of the trailer mm-hmm. from the main road to clear snow off and to get snow off of um, the trailer specifically so it wouldn't collapse. So apparently these are the people that service it. Okay. It was possible police believed that the group had decided to follow the tracks it left through snow drifts about four to six feet high wherever they led in belief that shelter was not too far away. Madruga and Sterling probably succumbed to the hypothermia midway along the walk to the trailer, which doesn't really make sense to me. How well, are two How are two guys gonna die from hypothermia along the way when all five are together? They just leave them behind. What are you like? You guys gonna take a nap? We're gonna. I mean, keep going. Maybe. <laughs> it's assumed that once the the potential three had found mm-hmm. the trailer. That they broke one of the windows to enter, um, since it was locked. Uh, they believed it would. They believe it was private property, um, and the boys may have feared arrest for theft if they used anything that they had found in there. Mm-hmm. After Wayer died, or the others believed he had, they perhaps chose to attempt to return to civilization by different routes, potentially on foot. Okay. Um. And that is literally all of the evidence that there is to present other than that it's all speculation Mm -hmm. and there is no better clue as to where matthias may have ended up okay so two are found in the ditch right next to each other Mm -hmm. that's 11 miles from the car right Hmm? about 11 miles from the car yeah that's madruga and um sterling okay hewitt had been found underneath that manzanita bush and his skull was found down a hill Mm -hmm. and then uh wayer was found in the trailer Matthias is nowhere people um a lot of people started to question whether or not since he's not there that he may have had something to do with it yeah potentially um, and this is where we were going to go into how... Okay, so this guy's ranged on the spectrum. Yeah. Matthias uh, had been diagnosed with schizophrenia. Okay. So not necessarily a disable, disablement or challenge, but um, a... We're trying to be real sensitive here, guys. <laughs> like I'm trying to think of the proper terminology, and I feel stupid again. But still, uh, it's a mental illness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a- now, I was I was wondering about that because the he might not have been diagnosed until he joined the army and was under extreme stress. Because mm-hmm. um, when you mentioned that he was in the army, I was like, "What?" They had to have found that out later, and it has to be something. Um, I don't want to say benign. Um, something that you can you have to experience before you understand mm-hmm. what it is like it it's not like you just meet someone right away and you're like oh hey you're schizophrenic yeah you know uh, unless they're literally talking one way one second and another another minute right so okay that that makes sense that he was in the military and had that at the same time because they're they're so selective i mean if, you can't go for such a high number of reasons. 
Like if you, and even if it's something that with medication is perfectly controlled, Mm -hmm. they still won't take that because what if you're out and something happens and you're left in the battlefield for like two weeks on your own and you don't have medication and now it's getting bad. And you're going crazy on the field. Yeah. Or not crazy, but you're, you're not yourself on the field. Yeah. And dangerous things might happen. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Um, so, I mean, really there's only two conclusions that people could draw and that was, uh, potentially that the boys had seen something transpire at the game mm-hmm. and were followed because of it, okay. like something nefarious or that. Let Gary me tell would, y'all, Chico, Chico which, don't again, play. I don't know cause I've never been, but Chico don't play. <laughs> but do they not play like that? You think they get? They think they're sending people after? Uh, oh well, as far as murder is, I don't think Chico's that bad. But uh, <laughs> it, it, it get wild in Chico. <laughs> they get wild in Chico. So they very well may have seen some. Oh, I don't doubt it. But um, yeah, so it was it was either it was either that or the more likely case that Matthias had um, potentially set them up for it. Had like kind of. I don't feel that way. Driven up up there? Just because it doesn't feel very murdery. Mm-mm. Unless the first two were killed by him on the way to the trailer. But even then, they would have concluded that from a... Yeah, even with even with decaying bodies and stuff. I mean, if they had enough of the one guy to be able to do an autopsy yeah. on him and, and, you know, discover hypothermia, then they would have been able to tell if... Yeah. Something had been done to him. I, th- I feel like. I think I just coined a new campfire phrase. That wasn't very murdery. Murdery. <laughs> but yeah, and then when they got there, and I mean, they wrapped the guy in a bunch of sheets, so it wasn't like they were trying to kill him. No, they're trying to keep him warm. Yeah. So I don't. Unless, I don't know. I don't know enough about schizophrenia specifically, but I know with schizophrenia, I mean, you may um, think things are there that are not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if maybe your voices I've heard that's a yeah maybe he sent them on a wild goose chase and it just was real bad because then if he thought something was happening um, or if he was if he was off his medication he was hearing some voices telling him to do something or that he thought if he didn't something bad was going to happen or what may have came from it um like I said, maybe he, they got sent on a wild goose chase. He had to pull the car over and everyone get out so they could run away from something that wasn't a problem. Yeah. But it's like, where is he? Yeah. Where'd the last guy end up? So, from there, it pretty much just goes into Matthias's background. Like, okay. his entire growing up okay. and everything that might have led to him potentially having a hand in this. Okay. Apparently, which never, it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not conclusive. It's essentially just saying that, yeah, this guy had a lot of mental problems. Mm. So, okay. So he was in the army up until even the early seventies. Okay. So this is like even just a couple of years before mm-hmm. this took place. Uh, and he had developed drug problems also Ooh. while he was in the army. Uh, these eventually led to his being diagnosed with the schizophrenia and being psychiatric, psychiatrically discharged. He returned to his parents' uh, his parents' home in California and began treatment at a local mental hospital. While it was difficult for him at first, he was uh, he was nearly arrested uh, for assault twice and often suffered psychotic episodes that landed him in local Veterans Administration Hospital. By 1978, he wh- he was being treated on an outpatient basis with Stelazine and Cogentin, 
and was considered by his physicians to be one of our sterling success cases. Okay. So by 1978, he was supposed to be like in the clear. Right. He's good. Yeah. He's fine. But he's been through a lot of stuff. Well, yeah, I imagine he has probably a a healthy dose of uh, PTSD to go along with that schizophrenia. That too, yeah. Because if he was in the Army in the 70s, uh, was well, a good chance he was in Vietnam? It doesn't say that he was in Vietnam. But that was like... That was I, the, I feel like it would have specified that. Yeah. Which, I mean, he also could have been in the Army and never left an office desk. True. There's lots of positions in the military, but... He did get a sharpshooting medal. Okay. Okay. Um... But he did get an AWOL arrest uh, mm-hmm. and a medical discharge for paranoid schizophrenia, mm-hmm. according to the sheriff's files. Yeah. So it just kind of goes into some of the crazy stuff he does. He punched it while he was in the jail. He punched a commanding officer in the face when they came to like talk to him in a cell. Yeah. Because he just wanted to go. He was like, just get me out of here. I just don't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. So then he you know, ends up getting set back home. Um so he, he received the medical discharge, but later that same month, this is in February of 73, and this is only five years before the incident, mind you, okay. um, he was watching TV at his cousin's house around 8.30 a.m. while the cousin's 17-year-old wife slept, groggy with medication used to cope with an ongoing illness. Uh, the cousin had went to check on Matthias after a bathroom break, turned suspiciously long, and allegedly found him straddling the woman, groping her breasts as she lay nearly motionless in her underwear, according to case files. The cousin asked Matthias what he was doing, to which he allegedly replied that he wanted to kiss the woman. When the cousin said he was going to call the police, he responded, good, I want to go back to jail. Mm-hmm. He pled guilty to battery of a police officer for the jail incident. Okay. A second charge of assault with intent to rape was dropped um, as a result of his plea plea deal. Um, to this day, Yuba County Superior Court employees still can't find details of his sentence. All right. Under current California law, he could have faced up to three years in prison if convicted of battery of a peace of a peace officer, and nine years for assault with intent to rape. All right, I want to sidebar this. It's crazy. I get pissed when i talk when i hear people talk about like the judicial system in the south and like small towns and and you know small town politics and stuff yeah and we're californian that's happening i just want to point that out Mm -hmm. oh yeah nobody gets off scot-free well Mm -hmm. he kind of does right (laughs) um could you imagine i'd be so pissed dude's over here feeling he's my cousin he's over here feeling up my wife yeah. Like, on her. And, you know, you just say, I admit to punching this dude in the face and we'll drop the whole rape thing. Mm-hmm. Just don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Well, I think that came with a, I mean, again, they can't find it, but I'm assuming that probably came with a couple of years in like a, mm-hmm. you know, because he's not, he's familiar with mental institutions. Mental? Mental? Man. Mental Like, the only reason I could think why that plea deal even would have been offered to him is that they had a good, uh, hunch that he could have just pled insanity and, oh, lo- yeah. and dropped the whole thing for sure yeah but, i'm sure that's what it was because i don't think this guy was on the level necessarily so, all the time i guess they figured at least they could get him with something if, if he did that um so that all could have been a combined 12 years if all those charges were drummed up correctly yep. mm-hmm. uh, he was out in eight months 
uh, in his next run-in with law enforcement that December. So that December, um, police uh, had evidence he visited the home of a couple he knew after shooting meth mm-hmm. and dropping bennies or swallowing tablets of amphetamine benzedrine, okay. according to case files. Um, that's only a couple of run-ins with the law. Like, he keeps... It, it gets worse. Mm-hmm. And this is... So people are really pushing this theory that they think he had something to do oh, with yeah. it. Because they're going into a lot of detail. Are they? Uh, is there any detail really on any of the other people's? Nope. Uh, yeah, so they're really nope. pushing the card that it was... Well, uh, they're all dead, so... Well, I mean, them, but, but their history, you, you never know. Really. Yeah. But since they never found him, they were like, hmm. Mm-hmm. What's up with this dude? Especially since, like, he's, he's never been seen again. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, what I can't get past is it sucks that, so dude that has uh, uh, scones, 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 yeah, scones. He uh, maple bacon, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> gravy bacon. He made it eight miles mm-hmm. and found this cabin mm-hmm. or lodge. Yeah, and these guys went eleven miles, nineteen miles, because that's how far the trailer was, right? Nineteen mm-hmm. miles, and so they like over doubled the distance this guy went and found the lodge off the side of the road as opposed to just continuing down the road yeah so they went out of the way of the, the lodge woods. like what makes sense about that nothing <laughs> nothing makes sense that's why i liked this one i was like mm-hmm. Damn. Mm-hmm. that is inconclusive mm-hmm. i like it so the last bit i've got about three weeks after the boys had gone missing initially boys again they say boys a Yuba City woman named Debbie Lynn Reese picked up the telephone and said, hello. What'd she say? <laughs> she said, hello. <laughs> what you want? Um, whoever was on the other end of the line said, uh, I know where the missing five men are. Uh, and again, this is three weeks, so they hadn't found the bodies initially okay. and hung up. Uh, he called back the next day. Reese told authorities and said, and he said, I need help because I really hurt those guys bad. Wait, so the same number called? And- Apparently same number, same voice. Okay. When she asked, who did you hurt? He replied, don't play dumb with me and hung up. There was one more call the next day on March 17th saying those, those five guys are all dead. Uh, mm-hmm. The man said, or uh, she said, they're, they're, they're all dead? Reese asked. And he was like, yeah, they're all dead. And then he hung up. And Reese never heard from him again. So, random telephone calls saying that all five of the guys are dead. And that somebody had hurt them. And then, no more. Nothing else. And this lady, was she one of the... She, the no relation. She no total relation. Okay, random, I just wanted to make sure. Totally random like call. Five guys in this. I'm Just a Yuba sure. City woman. Okay. I mean, I would report that too, for sure. But... And then she did, did she report it? Yeah, she reported it. But I mean, because I don't think she knew. I mean, at that point, if it's three weeks after, she wouldn't have even known that five guys were missing. She's like, what do you, she'd be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I I would hope that. Or maybe that they're missing, but not dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. I just want to make sure she did report it because I don't, I didn't want it to be one of those things of like three years later. Oh yeah. Well, actually I was getting some phone calls and it's like, really? Like, really? I think you would have told somebody. She she told Jack Beecham, who was the sheriff at the time. Okay. He concluded that, that it wasn't Gary, though. Because uh, people were still going in on, like, they haven't found... This is afterwards, I think. that I think in mm-hmm. hindsight, he was like, that's that wasn't Gary. 
Okay. Uh, he said that uh, he, the sheriff believes uh, that all of them are dead. He doesn't know who or how, but he thinks that they were forced or manipulated to do what they did. Okay. He thinks that Matthias died in the Manzanita as well, that he just, that apparently it's so thick out there that if you, you get lost in there, you're done. Mm-hmm. Especially in that, in that weather. Well, so. and at that point, I can't remember who it was that had died, they had found, mm-hmm. but it was literally a backbone and a skull was all they found. That was Hewitt. Yeah. Hewitt, and he yeah. was underneath, underneath a Manzanita and then so his skull they, was like 300 feet away from his body. Yeah. So if that's all they found of him. Yeah. I mean, that has to be, I would, I would assume that has to be animal scavenging and something like that too, taking well, parts away. That's or, why I was a little curious about the other two gentlemen that died or one was all bones from scavenging and the other one was just severely. Sammy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was just—it didn't sound right that they were right next to each other, even after they'd been scavenged to the bone. Yeah. Because if animals are like, you ever watch Animal Planet? Like mm-hmm. when they eat, they are not playing. No, you are getting ripped around, or what they are eating is getting ripped around, and it, it's it's a mess. And they usually don't eat you where they find you. They'll they'll or, pull you a little bit. They'll get you. Like, depending on the animal, it's yeah. a little bit smaller than, but still, Hewitt who you just found the backbone of. Mm-hmm. That totally sounds like scavenging. Other guy that's all bones, but is still in one place, that doesn't sound like scavenging to me, so it makes that a little more unexplainable. Mm-hmm. It's all so weird. I mean, you got two guys dead in a ditch. You got one guy dead with his skull way far away. You got one guy dead in a trailer with everything around him that could have kept him alive. And another guy gone. Yeah, it's it's hard because there's some elements that are like okay, this makes sense, but then it's like okay, but this doesn't make nope. sense because you got because um, where dying in the the trailer to me that totally makes sense mm-hmm. now that we know his mental history. Yeah, totally makes sense. Um, to me, the event in general makes sense if it was a, a schizophrenic episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes sense from from. Mathis. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of speculation as to whether or not he's still alive today. Nobody, nobody oh, can no, say I whether or not. I don't think he is. I think he's definitely dead. I think he's dead? Yeah. Yeah. If there, That's if, what the if sheriff was, said. It feels bad enough to make people get hypothermia and gangrene. In, right? In that night. And yeah, I think he's dead. Um, there was there was something that I had read. I didn't. I did chose. I chose not to include it. Uh, there was a point in Matthias's life where um, when he had went I keep to calling him Mathis. It's Matthias. Sorry, no, you're guys. Good. You're good. He had gone. He had walked from. I think they said something like th- like thirty miles. Thirty to it was between these two cities mm-hmm. from like a friend's house to his parents' house, and that the only thing that had kept him alive along the way, so he said, uh, was stealing people's milk off of their off of their um, porches mm-hmm. and eating people's dog food. I mean, I don't... Like, just that. walking from city to city. This guy, like, he, he made decisions that didn't necessarily mm-hmm. make sense all the time. Yeah. But that also doesn't mean that he killed four guys. He might have... Yeah, you know, uh, I really don't think he did, though. I'm not. I don't think he did either. I mean, especially it, since the only foul play that could p- 
possibly be drummed up from the whole thing is literally just the fact that he's not dead there with them. Yeah. What do you? And that they can't find Wayer's shoes, and they think that maybe Matthias took off with Wayer's shoes, but I don't think he killed the guy. No. I mean, obviously he didn't kill the guy. The guy starved to death, so. Uh, yeah, yeah. But he, it doesn't seem like he even conspired to do it. Yeah, right? Yeah, I thought this one was fun, because, like, there's no, <laughs> there's no evidence. There's nothing, like, that can give you a clear verdict. Mm-hmm. No killer. No, like, no goings-on later on that might give you a clue to what happened here. Like, mm-hmm. No injuries that are... Nothing. Yeah. Just five guys that disappeared from Yuba. Outside of Yuba. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Um, I'm surprised. I mean, I guess I see it a little bit, though. I'm surprised they call this the... You say them. I was going to say, okay, yeah. I liken it to Diet Love Pass for me. So, Diet Love Pass, which we will be doing an episode on eventually. Guarantee it, because I love that story. Um, So, it's a brief synopsis. It's a group of about the same age range, Mm -hmm. um, young young adults that um, are very experienced outdoorsmen. Very experienced outdoorsmen. All very highly trained and, and everything like that. Yeah. And uh, they want to go deep into um, a Russian wildlife to go on a camping trip. Um, so they head out on this camping trip. Uh, and then they were missing. One of the friends couldn't make it because uh, I think he was sick or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they, they didn't want to. It's a really rough trip that they took. Like you had to be experienced to do this. Yeah, it's backpacking. Um, and, it's... and they didn't want him to go out and get hurt and then, then something bad happened. So he uh, stood behind, stuck behind. Gotcha. So when they didn't make it back, that he's like sounded the alarm and like, hey, go look for him. Okay. Um, and when people found went to their campsite and found the campsite, um, they had cut their way out of the back of the tent. That's the one you were telling me about. Yeah, they didn't unzip the tent. They cut their way out of the back, took off. They found all the bodies dead in different locations. Uh, many of them didn't have shoes, layers of clothes, uh, different things like that. And and they're questioning, like, why these people that are very experienced in this, they're not just some amateur campers, yeah. um, why they went out without their gear um, and also what scared them so bad that they had to cut their way out of the tent and just book it with nothing. And even they even found that they were trying to make their way, a few of them were trying to make their way back. Um, a few of them suffered some very rough injuries that could be scavengers, could be something else. Um, okay. So, I mean... I mean, that's... I mean, I could see a couple of... A couple of Northern California guys not necessarily knowing how to gauge the weather and then, you know, going a little too far up. Mm-hmm. But you get a perfectly good working car. You got a semi-able driver, like, mm-hmm. who has been used to driving the car. Which you said was the only one that was able to drive, right? Madru- he, he, him and uh, Sterling, the other guy who was dead with him in the, in the ditch, were the only yeah. two with licenses. Yeah, that was the other thing that I was thinking about is Matthias couldn't have 
premeditated this, at least not right. effectively. Yeah. At least not in the, the manner of the, um, like, he wouldn't have been able to scope out the area, wouldn't have been able to know that that trailer was there to take them into if he was that was his motive. Yeah. Uh, or his plan. Well, apparently, and again, all these guys knew each other. All their families, like, knew each other to an extent. Like, they, they had been friends for a while. So this claims. So the change of heart, the what a lot of things would need to kind of click into place to make this more murdery i would mm. say yeah it's not feeling too murdery but that's mm. what makes it fun that's what makes it not like feel so much like a true crime case because you yeah you then it'd just be sad <laughs> yeah it's sad of course but it's like i mean it's what? sad either way it's not fun but it's what it, it wouldn't be man? as intriguing. It'd be like, oh man, this was just unfortunate. Oh, exactly. There's no puzzle, no mystery to it. Oh yeah, this is not small town murder. Which we have. I mean, we're from California. We have a big California audience base. So if you're family members of these people, we are we're very sorry that that happened. Uh, yeah, I was surprised. I was almost surprised that I didn't recognize any of those last names. But I mean, that's Yuba, Zach. So it was cool to shout out Zach a couple times though. <laughs> Uh, scones, scones was from Sacramento. That's that's right, that's right. Good old scones. Um, but yeah, that's that was essentially what I could find on uh, the Yuba City Five or the Yuba County Five, mm-hmm. is what they call them. Without knowing the other three gentlemen's mental disabilities, I still feel like this was just like a perfect storm of of it got the better of them. And I think that somehow, I don't know whether it was uh, Matthias's schizophrenia or what it was, but something essentially sent him on a wild goose chase. So the decision-making process, I think, broke, broke down at some point. Mm-hmm. Everybody who does speculate on Matthias's involvement says that if he had, he had the strongest personality of the bunch, mm-hmm. and that if anybody was going to be a leader mm-hmm. or somebody to influence the others... It would have been him. Okay. That makes sense. Which is another reason that people are like, mm-hmm. where the hell? What'd you do? But yeah, I don't know. And I almost want to feel like he left the trailer, which it's a total assumption that he was even there to begin with, right? There's no proof for that. Yeah, not him specifically. It's just they think that... They Matthias... think that potentially where Hewitt... And Matthias initially made it to that trailer. Yeah. But there's nothing left behind there to prove that they were. No. Other than, well, you, you had mentioned that um, the the can opener, there's like a specific can opener that... They say that, that it would have made sense to be Matthias's because it was one that was usually issued from uh, military or army yeah. services. And that he was, in the, he was fresh out the army a couple of years ago. I can't so. imagine you just have a can opener on you, though. Right? I mean, unless it's like a... Unless a P thirty eight, it's like a if it has a couple of different attachments or something. If it's if it's more like a, like a multi tool, yeah, yeah. I can only assume. Right, right. I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah, I think this was just like a, a storm of, of, like you said, poor decision making, making and mm-hmm. and a mental breakdown. Yeah. I just wanted a chance to um, shed the spotlight on like well, not shed the spotlight, but like kind of bring it back home mm-hmm. a little bit because we haven't done a whole lot about the surrounding area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got coworkers that have been telling me that they, that sort of Sacramento's 
history is very sorted in that There's, regard. You know, I was trying to look for some of that myself, especially because the very first, very first urban legends that we did, uh, well, that, yeah, I was I was looking up things, and there's a lot of if if you're true crime and in the area, it's a gold mine. Mm-hmm. There's lots of murder stuff. Like there was like a couple serial killers throughout the years. Yeah, like, there's like the what was it, Sacramento vampire or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was a murderer, not a vampire, because it piqued my interest. Yeah, um, so lots of that kind of stuff, but I haven't found a lot of other things. True crime, ton of it. Yeah, and it's that's not what we're not our about. Box. So we're like trying to differentiate but stay in our lane still there's some stuff there's some stuff around here absolutely but yeah what's what's your conclusion on the whole thing i i would have to agree i would i mean i mean i I have very very a very small amount of experience with um handicapped with, with handicaps in general my uncle has a brain tumor that he's had since he was three years old and that has presented a lot of challenges for him throughout his life mm-hmm. um amongst hormonal issues and stuff like that uh it's it's he's 30 now and they put him at like they said he was never going to get past the mental state of like a 12 year old i think mm-hmm. he's far surpassed that in many areas but they're still it's the decision making mm-hmm. it's the what we would find so simple and like a chain effect of actions and consequences, I feel that just isn't present mm-hmm. there necessarily, or at least all the time or to any, any degree so that sometimes the decisions or a lot of the times the decisions he makes don't necessarily make sense to everybody around him because he's he's focused on one thing kind of a one track yeah where everybody else is like taking in the entire picture mm-hmm. but i mean you get enough of that in the same you get enough of that breakdown of big picture thinking and ideals i would say you got a car full of people that are maybe more easily or more suggestible mm-hmm well, and, and one leader type, and they, when they were know. a basketball team, that's another thing too. Is like they were a basketball team, and usually you've got somebody that's like the leading, leading mm-hmm. the team. You don't have like a, you know, like your quarterback or anything like that in like another sport. Yeah, it, you know, it's a little bit more of a well-rounded thing. But usually, you know, you've got somebody leading the pack. Mm-hmm. So, but I'd they like were to a know team, which is the point thing. guard on the team was. That might tell us was the point guard Matthias. I didn't say they didn't say the positions. <laughs> they didn't give me positions. They were just like, but Thais did it. But I mean, that is a factor too, and especially like these are a group of people that probably came together in this team to, to. I mean, essentially come together and, and show like you know we're we can do these things as well, mm-hmm. um, and also have a sense of camaraderie ship. Um, but with that does come leadership. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, so I would have I, foul play. Just seems it just seems like a reach. Yeah, I mean, I like after having listened to as much small town murder and stuff like that that I've listened. I like motive is usually not crazy hard to understand. Well, but and even what, there's no motive here. Well, I, I I'm even okay with the like even if these murders happened with no motive because of the the 
other factors we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the way everything ended up. It just... I mean, it paints you a pretty clear picture. Like, if you were trying to murder these people, you screwed up and nature got them. And it, that's just how it went down. Right? I, I mean, it seems like two of the guys maybe tried to walk back. But why? Because their car worked. Like, what? Like, my only assumption is that maybe three took off on their own direction initially. The three that were headed towards the trailer. Maybe by Matthias' mm-hmm. guidance. And the other two who were found in the ditch realized maybe that they couldn't push the car out between the two of them and decided to walk back. And Or maybe somebody took off. Maybe Matthias took off and these guys went after him to try to, like, get him back. Maybe because I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out why they even pulled over to start with. Yeah. I mean, if he's having an episode... Or or it might not even been Matthias. Could have been anybody. Yeah. But he was the one that's not found, so I'm going to assume him. Yeah. Um, and he's known for uh, bouts of like. Or it could have been where because he was the one that made it the far like verified made it the farthest. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe they could have just been friends, just trying to track their friend down. That's the only reason I can think of why you would leave a perfectly good car, and then not. Uh, maybe went too far and wouldn't aren't able to make it back but like that would be a powerful enough motivation to to do something like that yeah and it's like as much as i wanted scones witness his like his eyewitness testimony to mean anything it doesn't yeah it's 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 weird it's weird i think it's definitely important enough to be included yeah um i was like oh it's in place but it's like yeah, and then then there's the call. The call, yeah, the call intrigued me. The, I was all ready to shoot that woman like way down, um, but knowing she reported them, the calls as they were coming to me makes a big difference. And I, there's a few things about that. I don't think that that person is a part of the group. Right. Because they said all five are dead. Yeah. Unless it literally, unless it was Matthias, um, having a a which again we are not psychologists, we do not know the details of mental disorders, um, but unless he was having a split personality thing happen, mm-hmm. and he was not referring to himself as part of the group, but as another another Matthias, or if he was trying to make it seem like. He died, like if he was trying to potentially fake his death or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's had so many problems with authorities, anyways. Maybe he was mm-hmm. just trying to start fresh. But that's such a reach. Like it's really freaking weird. Mm-hmm. Three weeks after they're all, three mm-hmm. weeks after the initial night, that she gets those calls before the bodies are even found. A couple of months later. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I imagine the everyone knows about the case and they knows about the search. So I mean, it could it could be a terrible case of a prank call, but oh, just the worst, the worst. Yeah, I don't know. It Three does, days in a row. It it, it doesn't make sense, sense, and I like that it doesn't, and I want to know why. Yeah. So that's why I like you and me call. both, man. Yeah, but I think that was good. I think that was solid, Jordan. That's fun. Because I spend so much time editing this, Jordan has given his time to start our social media campaign. It's on the way. So we are uh, we're 
we're just on Instagram right now. I think we're just going to stick with the Insta. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that we have posts yet. We're, we're working on that. I'm just, I'm getting it, we're getting it together. Yeah, well, there, there'll be some up by the time they hear it. But, oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, so we're on Instagram. Jordan, what's our, what's our handle? Creepy Campfire Podcast. Just that simple. And it ain't no spaces, no nothing. Just Creepy we Campfire Podcast. We can change that again if you'd like. I just Fine. put it in there for now. No, yeah, so we got an Instagram now. So I know... Uh, we have the email that we push all the time, and we're going to keep pushing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just another way for you guys to reach out to us. And if you, you want to, you know, comment on anything, let us know what story ideas you might have. Um, if anything else you might feel about the show, any experiences you might have, easy way to, to stay updated. And we're going to be posting pictures as we're recording this stuff, as we're editing this stuff. Maybe some little teasers as to what the next episode might be. Um, oh, yeah. We're, we're going to try to have some fun with it. Yeah. So it's it's another way to interact with the show. Yeah. So that's uh, almost done. We just need to get some pictures and some posts up, and uh, then just watch those followers flood in. Right. <laughs> um. Join the campfire, everybody. Yeah. So, and if we ever have any kind of deals on the on the store um, over at Spreadshirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll post those up because I do occasionally get um, special deals, savings, free shipping. We can put a link in that to the yeah, link to that in the bio as well. Mm-hmm. So we'll do that as well. So, and if we ever get if we get new products in, things like that, we'll post pictures of those up. Um, so yeah, so now you've got got Instagram to to keep up on the latest with Creepy Campfire. And of course, you can always reach out to us at creepycampfirepodcast at gmail dot com. And please, whatever platform you're listening to us on, if they have a rating system, please give us a rating on their review because that's how people find the show. Five stars. <laughs> Five thumbs. With a question inflection. Please. Um, yeah, thumbs up, you know. Yeah. So we got the store. We got the email. We got the Instagram. That's that's going out. Mm-hmm. Um, you heard uh, last week a, a promo for... Um, paranormal punchers uh we we might be doing some some a a collaboration episode with them so look out for that um yeah we got we got some stuff on the way creepy campfires on the move so maybe if one of us ever gets like really social media oriented or um interested at all we'll start a twitter but i just i don't i I feel like one day maybe facebook is more of our lane Oh yeah, yeah. Instagram's a start, at least. Uh, Twitter, I don't mess with yet. I don't. I don't do tweets. <laughs> I don't do them. Tweet, tweet, there. tweet. Um, got that Twitter box. But yeah, Instagram to start. We'll get some posts up on there, and then we'll link some stuff from Facebook. Get that going as well in tandem, and then you'll be able to find us everywhere. 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 And then um, we've got. I got a couple announcements. We we know what our we're gonna have an urban legends episode next, and then it's gonna be an episode from me. Not sure what it's gonna be, uh, but Arkansas, you are next up on the urban legends chopping block because you guys have killed it this month. And Arkansas, you were just we 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 had some activity out of you guys, but I don't know. Facebook must have done some wonders because we just jumped up in Arkansas. So to reward you guys, we're gonna be putting out an episode for Ar- Arkansas urban legends. And South Korea, believe it or not, has also, like, yeah, like, even more than uh, the UK, which is normally, like, our third biggest country. Yeah. South Korea is feeling it right now. So, hmm. South Korea, we're feeling you. 
Keep it, keep it coming. Yeah. Keep, you know, keep up the love. Yeah. Feel it. It's warm. <laughs> so, oh, oh, what's that? Look, Jordan, Squatch is uh, he's pushing his feet like a bull, like getting ready to charge. And oh, he just busted through the wall. And I just perfected the zombie frappuccino. Well, I mean, at least now we can go get some more ingredients in the grocery store next door. Yeah, it's both more important. And hold out in time for the. Oh, thank God! Thank God! You hear the helicopters? They're coming. Oh, and there's the machine guns mowing down the zombies. <laughs> We're gonna I thought I was gonna. I thought I was gonna end up like where, starved to death. Maybe not gangrene feet, but. <laughs> oh. We can make it out of here. Poor weird episode. You had the clothes and a fireplace, man. And food. You could have... Well, unlike where, friends. Until next time, stay, stay toasty. toasty.